Hello, everybody. Uh, good morning. Uh, if you guys don't know me, my name is Steve Watson. Um, Adam asked me to share a little bit about my story and uh, what God has done in my life and is doing. So uh, first, I'd like to share a story from the Bible. Uh, it's a meaningful story for me. It's uh, twofold. Number one, I think it's just a really cool story of God and how he uses the gospel and who he is and shines light into people's lives. Um, so if you want to, you can open and follow along to John 9. You don't have to. I'm going to kind of paraphrase it, but if you want to follow along. So John 9, we, we, the story begins with Jesus and his disciples walking down the road, and they see this blind man on the side of the road, and the disciples ask him, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And what an interesting way of starting a conversation, like, what does God do so wrong that God punished him with blindness? That's pretty much what they were asking him. And, God, and Jesus flips the tables and says, no, it's not about that. No one sinned. It was, this man was blind, so I come, heal him, and God's glory will be shown. I think that's what, and then he, so he took some mud, stood on the ground, took some mud, put on his eyes, which is a very weird thing to do. He was making him double blind, pretty much covering his eyes and making him blind again. And told him to go to this pool and wash his eyes. And when he did that, he was, he was made, uh, he could see again. He was cured of, of his blindness. And people were rejoicing. But the story doesn't end there. If you keep reading, like everybody's like, oh, the miracle happened. He's, he's healed. He's no longer blind. But the story, God's not here. Jesus didn't come just to heal physical. He did, but he came to hear the spiritual. And as you see, as he gets, this man gets interrogated by the Pharisees as, as the chapter goes on. And each time he gets interrogated, they ask him, what happened and who did this? And the first time he answered, a man, a man healed me. And the second time he said, a prophet healed me. The third time he said, a a man sent by God. And the last time he sees Jesus, for the first time, because Jesus, remember, told him to go to the pool. He actually didn't see Jesus yet and knew who he was. And he calls him Lord. And you see there, through the progression of the story, his eyes are opened. His blindness was actually healed, his spiritual blindness. He was a man in the beginning, and now he's Lord of this guy's life. And what a powerful picture of the gospel of he's healing us of our spiritual blindness. And I think that's just a cool story. And the second fold of the story is it, it kind of plays in with my testimony and who I am as a person. So I'm kind of going to walk you through a timeline of what God has done in my life and what has happened to me. Um, it's pretty cool that we're walking through this uh, being entrusted with the gospel and what that looks like uh, with our time, with our talents, with our finances. And I thought I, when Adam asked me to share, I thought, what does it look like for God to entrust us in our weaknesses? When we don't measure up, when we have disabilities or relationship problems or hardships. Like, where does the gospel fit into there? How do we see God in those weaknesses? And how do we use those weaknesses to promote his gospel to those around us? And I think it's really cool that Drew shared tonight, like, that guy, Arthur, shared his weakness. Like, this is where God brought me. I was weak here, and now I'm strong. So I think that's just a really cool picture. So when I was, I was saved at a young age, around four, my dad's a pastor. So I lived the Christian life. It was a great home I lived in. So nothing, you know, was wrong there. But around 10 years old, I started having trouble. Just like Adam, I started having trouble seeing my books. I got headaches and things like that, and I couldn't see. So they put me with glasses. It got better. But over, like, a three-month time, my vision dropped drastically. And I couldn't see my books anymore. I couldn't read. They were all blurry. And I went to the doctors, and no one knew what to do. They actually get, fitted me with these like, like double Coke 
size glasses. Like I put them on. Like imagine going to middle school and have these giant glasses on your face. Like middle school is hard enough. Now you're going in as like this big nerd and like, yeah, people were not nice. I got a lot of fights that year because I was angry and no one could tell me what was going on with my eyes. Um, they actually took me down to D.C. to a special institute down there and they did like a thousand tests on me and they finally figured out that I have a genetic eye disease and it rapidly destroyed my retina. So I'm actually legally blind. So I can't see very well either. I'm nearsighted and farsighted. So, and that was really hard to go through high school. I hated school and all those things. And in ninth grade, I found soccer, which was really cool. And I could run around and play and be athletic. But my junior year, right after I scored a varsity, my first varsity goal, I tripped and fell on the turf and ripped my ligaments in my ankle. I was out for like three months and I went to a dark place, like real dark. I started like complaining and asking God why this happened and things like that. And in that dark place, there was a little light that shined and it was him. And I believe that's when I really saw God as Lord, like in, this, in the story before that. I saw Jesus as Lord, like he was my Lord and he was my hope that although I have this vision impairment and God took things away from me, I have him. And it reminds me of that verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul is ailed with some kind of, they call it, he calls it the thorn in the flesh. And he asked God, you know, three times he asked him, take this away from me. But God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And I think that's such a powerful statement for us as we go through our weaknesses. Like, I don't know if you guys are going through weaknesses or struggles and things like that. And I still have those struggles. Like, there's days where I wake up or I'm here and I, you know, I can't drive. I can't do things. I have to, like, uh, depend on other people to give me rides, which is very humbling. And it's hard. And I go to dark places sometimes. But God is always in those dark places. And he shines his light. And he says, Steve, I love you. And I care for you. And I'm going to bring you through this, like, I have a purpose for you. You know, like in the John 9, like, I have a purpose. God's glory is going to be shown through you somehow. And although he didn't heal me, that's okay. Sometimes he doesn't heal the physical, but he heals the spiritual. And I think that's just a powerful message in my life. And I hope it encourages you guys, whatever you guys are going through, if that's, the, you know, relationship problems or things like that, that God, the hope is in the gospel. Like, it, it's salvation, but it continues to grow and continues to, to form us and mold us into something that is like Jesus. And other people see that. And that even in the dark places, that light shines. It shines so much brighter. And that light, if you share your testimony with others, and like Rose said, like, share with neighbors, things like that, they'll see that light. Because I can imagine, like, if I didn't have Jesus and I went through all that stuff, who knows where I would be? Like, I'd be very depressed by sitting in my parents' basement, like, 300 pounds, eating Doritos, like, because there's no hope. There's no hope. Why would I want to go out in the world, right? Like, but God gives me hope, and the hope is that someday I'll be with Jesus, and I'll see him with my perfect eyes, because we will get new bodies and new, and we will be perfect. And that is a, a very powerful thing to, to think about. Even though this world is broken and it is hard. We have the hope in Jesus. And that's what I want to leave with you today. I want to encourage you that if you don't know him, ask somebody and they'll tell you about him. You know, tell your stories to people. 
because he is the story for all our stories. It's not my story. It's his story. So, yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, that's my story. I'm sticking with it. So, <laughs> yeah, so I'm just going to uh, close this in prayer, and Delcio will come back up, I believe. So, oh, Jim will come back up. All right. Dearly Father, I just uh, I thank you so much for who you are and what you have done for us, Lord, that Lord, you not only came and, and died for, for our sins and for all that brokenness in this world, Lord. You came and you are still here. You resurrected, Lord. You are a living God, and you're still actively pursuing us, walking with us in those dark places, Lord. You are the light of the world, and through that, we are the light of the world, Lord. So I pray that we and those who are struggling, Lord, today, that you would just be with them and comfort them, Lord, and show them that you your way, and you are so much more beautiful than, than what the world has to offer, Lord. Um, yeah, so I just pray for Jim as he comes up, Lord, just uh, as he gives the word to us, Lord, that you would just, yeah, uh, encourage us all by it, Lord, and fill him with your spirit. In your name I pray, amen. Wow. Is that incredible or what? Man, did he tug on your heart? I hope so. I hope so. He tugged on mine. Um. I'm not heavy-handed. I'm heavy-footed. Just a disclaimer up front. I didn't make up this order. So Adam put me at the end. So I figure I got free reign. <laughs> Uh, no, not really. No, my wife has already threatened me. If I go too long, she's getting up and leaving. <laughs> uh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. You know, I was talking to Roe, and uh, we were kind of sharing where God had us and what God was teaching us, and it was in incredible that we were all in the same ballpark and Steve, I, I didn't ask, I asked Steve not to tell me what he was going to do. But amazingly enough, God is present. He's working. And believe it or not, we're all on the same page. It's incredible how God is working in each one of our lives, raising our eyes to see the lost world around us. Um. I'm going to start my testimony 10 years ago. Oh, man, Jim, 10 years ago. Where are you going to go with this? But 10 years ago, we were sitting around a table, 20 of us. I think it was like 20 of us. And uh, we were contemplating uh, the planning of a church. None of us had done it. None of us had experienced it. We didn't know what to expect. And there was one Sunday, or there was one time when we were meeting together that a brother came in and shared, and his name was Dave Giles. He was a missionary to South America, and uh, he was asked to share, give us a little bit of a glimpse into what's about to happen. And there was a phrase that he said that has stuck with me ever since. And I think it's a good, 
it's a good thing to take a step back and to look in the mirror and reflect upon that comment that he made. And he said, don't merely do church, be the church. And there's an incredible difference. If you came here to do church, I hope you didn't. Because that veil that spoken of in 2 Corinthians that I read earlier is there. We're not here to do church. We're here to be church. We're here to be church to each other, and we're here to listen to the Lord help us to be church beyond that on cruises. You know, that's what God wants to do with us. When he says that he entrusted us with his word, was it merely for us to have it? Or was it to be shared? So, on my journey, God has been capturing more and more of my heart each day. But I must admit, just recently, I realized I was too content and comfortable in my role that I played in church. And there was something about me that needed to be changed. And uh, I appreciate the fact that, that, that God very graciously confronted me for the fact that I had a lack of compassion and mercy to those who didn't belong to the kingdom of God. In fact, there was, a, there was this in life, so to say. I kept them at a distance. And um, I, be, I, would be, I, would be, I would be the nice guy down the street. I would say hello. But there, there wasn't any interest on my part to know what their story was. So I didn't connect with unbelievers. I'll share at the very end how God has, has moved me to, to, a, to a spot where, that's transformed my heart. And uh, he looks to, hap, to, to capture more of your heart and my heart each day. And that, that scripture we are from 2 Corinthians is exactly that. You know? Taking a, a degree of, of glory from one day to the other. Moving us on in our walk. And I'm glad that although I was comfortable and content with the, the role that I played in, in, in our church, that God wasn't content. That he confronted me about it. And the way he did that was in our community group. I've got precious brothers and sisters in Christ who showed me the way. They, they invited neighbors over to their home. We had dinner. We played games. We, they had uh, activities for the children in the neighborhood. They invited us over. We, we exchanged with people in their neighborhood. They, they went out and gave wrapping paper for Christmas and went door to door all with the intention of engaging and interacting with their neighbors, starting relationships. And that just really, that hit, that hit me like a, like, like a heavy truck. It really did. And I, 
I had a conversation with God and I said, you know, I don't want to do it just because they're doing it. Uh, I knew that if I would do that, it would, it, it, would, it would lack in its conviction. So what I needed to do is I needed to address it spiritually first. So I prayed about it. I said, God, this is where I'm at. I understand that there has been a veil in front of me with regard to how I see people who don't know you. And I, I've shut you out, God with regard to this. And now all of a sudden, because my brothers and sisters were faithful to you and I saw that, uh, you took that veil away, and I appreciate that. And uh, so I first, first I prayed, and uh, he led me to the parable of the Good Samaritan. So if you have your Bibles, just turn there if you will to Luke, the 10th chapter, and I'm going to read from verses 25 through 37. And we're going to talk about what it takes, what it takes for us to engage in Christ's love as far as relationships are concerned. Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? Have you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who was my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down to the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Then he set him and his, on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell amongst the robbers? The lawyer replied, The one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Obviously, what I came to the realization was that I lacked a certain, I lacked compassion. I lacked God's compassion and mercy with regards to those who don't call Jesus Savior. In fact, I, I, I would distance myself from those individuals. Here was my comfort level, so this is where I functioned. And God challenged me. And I think the key 
to God transforming me as to how I look to those who, who don't believe is found in verse 27. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Um, we see in Scripture, used time and time again, that, that word heart. And it actually references our whole being, all that we are, all that we are. God says that I need to love him with all that I am. And I immediately stopped and I said, well, how does that happen, God? And he proceeds to tell me in the verses that follow because he addresses things that make me up. And uh, they're referred to as the soul and the mind and the strength or, or my actions and activities. Uh, so he starts with, by loving him with all my soul. I, that, I started to think about, well, what, again, what is that? And the more I researched it, the more I looked into it, I found that that's where my wants, my desires, uh, my passion, my will, all those things are described in the soul. And God says to me, Jim, you need to love God with your soul. You, you have to have, you got to want his desires and his wants to be yours. And as we go down this, very simply what, what God was showing me was that in order to love those who didn't belong to him, I needed to love him. I needed to love him. So what God was saying to me, elevate, Jim, what God wants. And when you reason what to do or what to say, take that moment to say, God, go before me. Go before me. Have me say, have me do what you want me to do. That's loving him with my whole soul. Then he, and, and, and I say this phrase over and over again, um, God's design is the best design when it comes to life. And uh, I think loving him with my whole soul requires me to spend time in his presence. And more specifically, a time in prayer. Um, it's there that, you know, I, I, I definitely am connected as far as God's concerned. And he, and he gives me valuable direction. And I elevate him, like I said, to his wants and desires in my life. And I begin to see people with God's eyes. So I'm to love him with my whole soul. And then it says, secondly, to love God with all my mind. Um, this is where his thoughts 
become my thoughts. And the only way that can happen is if you spend time in the Word. There's no way, there's no way that you're going to think his thoughts unless you read his thoughts. And his Word is here. So we need to be in the Word. There was a verse that I learned very as a young Christian in Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt wait, make thy way prosperous. Then thou shalt have good success. And we're not talking about prosperity as the world knows it. We're talking, and success as the world knows it. We're talking about a success in the way we think. How we approach life. How we interact with people. And we get that from, from God's word. And it's not merely just the reading of the word, guys. It's, it's time spent at his feet meditating upon what you've just read. Asking questions in my own mind as to what it is. Because what happens when you meditate is the word, you become more convinced of the truth. And when you become more convinced of the truth, that's what people see. That's what people hear. Then he says, love God with all your strength. That's where you honor God with your actions. It's a reference to what's going on in my soul and in my mind. It's an outward expression. I love this phrase. I don't know. The Lord just gave it to me. It's an outward expression of an inward conviction. An outward expression of an inward conviction. So if God, if we're loving God with our soul and with our mind, if we've elevated what he wants and what he desires, if we meditate upon his truth, that's going to come out in our communication. It's going to come out with the relationships that we have. There's no way, guys, that you're ever going to manufacture this on your own. And that Corinthians passage said, as far as that, that, that moving on from the, the degree of glory to another, that it's God's hand that makes it happen. And I would encourage you, man, after I've heard those two testimonies with regard to how God has captured their hearts to the point that they want to share what's going on in their lives with others, I would encourage you to do that. Practically, if I could encourage you, my wife shared with me something she heard just recently about how oftentimes in the evangelical world we talk about witnessing and we have this concept that we are here and we're to go out there, come back in here and go out there. But did you notice in the story of the Samaritan that he stopped 
He healed him on the spot. And then what did he do? He put him on his donkey, took him to an inn, cared for him there. He invested time. He invested his, his life involving that guy who, who was robbed and, and hurt. And I think the whole in and out witnessing thing is something that we need to get out of our heads because I think, if anything, it's a distraction. It doesn't do justice to the gospel. What God wants of us is, like Rose doing, they're going back out now in Chambersburg. They could very easily not go back out, but they're going to go back out to Chambersburg and develop that. And I want to tell you, God's going to use that story in that couple's life, Ro. He's going to use that story. Now that he's shared that with you, he's going to share that with somebody else. And you'll have that opportunity to encourage him to do that, and it sounds as if you've already done that. Um, practically, look where God's already at work. You have relationships. You've got people you work with. Talk to them in such a way that you, you want to know their story. And don't do this. Please don't do this. They say something about their life, you say something. No, 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 no. Don't let your life enter into it at all. Listen to their story. Engage in their story. Ask them questions about their story. Love on them, because that's what this is about. This is not... We're, we're asking God to ultimately help us to love on people so that potentially, because of that love, we'll have the opportunity to share the precious message of the gospel. That's what we want to do. So the key to loving God with all your heart is to love him first and then commit yourselves to those relationships in prayer. Uh, concentrate on listening. I've heard it said that inclusion is the best gift you can give somebody. You want to know their story? You want to interact with their story? In fact, use that. Uh, when God had me capture my heart about this whole thing, immediately I invited a couple couples up to our home for dinner. And I invited our neighbors from across the street. One is Catholic, one is Jewish. And don't you know, both, both the couples have Catholic background and one has Jewish background. And I didn't design that. I came out. I, didn't know, I, knew, I, I knew the guys were, were, were from Catholic background, but I didn't know Roe had Jewish background. People, I didn't, if you can't even imagine, but Jim almost said nothing. I watched God do incredible things through these other two couples connecting with these people. And I just sat back and watched. It was just absolutely fantastic. We're going to follow up with a dinner with this couple, just Debbie and I. And uh, then there's another situation at work. I've got an Army National Guard guy who uh, ran my route with me one day to learn my route because I was going away on vacation. And 
just were talking about life. I was getting some of his story, his background, asking questions. And he said that his girlfriend went to church. And it happens to be that the church that Tony Osimo, our prior pastor, actually goes to. So I entered into a conversation about that. And I said, are, are you going with her? And he says, no, nah, she's not going anymore. I guess it's because of me. So all of a sudden, I started to talk about the Lord. And uh, he's a pretty confident guy, 21-year-old, in the Army National Guard. He's got some responsibility. So there was a little bit of pushback. He didn't basically wanted to hear that he needed anything. So I got to the end of the conversation. I said, we'll agree to disagree, but I'll tell you, Kyle. I said, I don't know what I would do without God in my life. And the uh, Lord laid it on my heart to, to write him a, a note before he went overseas for a month. Basically told him, I characterized him as that confident guy. And you're, you're going to actually probably, probably come across some things that, that, you know, take away that confidence a little bit. You know, they're not so, the sureties of life are not there because you're in a, an element, you know, a place where things are not so good. I mean, there's, so anyway, I basically said to him, uh, I'd love to continue the conversation and talk. So we've had a number of conversations since. And I'm continuing to commit that relationship to him. And that's what we need to do. We need to commit those relationships to him. And we need to pray over those relationships. God has entrusted us with a precious, precious gift. And uh, we're going to have a unique way of closing my testimony time. Um, I don't know why it came to mind, but as we're singing it, the, the worship team can come up. But for some reason or other this morning, God took me back to my childhood. And uh, a song that I sang as a child, so we're going to sing it. This little light of mine. Because that's what we are. And I think I do this because I want us to go back to the time when Jesus called us to himself. You know, he made us a child of his. And uh, we realized at that point that there was a brightness, a reflection of his glory that was shed on our lives unlike anything we've ever had before. So I want to take us back to that time. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. 
I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. There's one more verse. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. God's entrusted us people with the most precious gift the world has ever known. Let's share it with those around us. Thank you.